Hello, I'm Eric Devin, and welcome to the Get Friendship Farm News Show, episode 83. Joining Philip Argyle and I this evening is guest Andy Brassel of TalkSport. Before we get started, here is the latest from around the uh, Leon 1-2-1 at Angers, despite a dominant performance from the hosts on Friday, moving clear into fourth place ahead of their match, match against Ajax on Wednesday. Monaco entertained Toulouse in Saturday's early match, and as they had against Dijon a fortnight ago, had to come from behind, but did win in stirring fashion through a 3-1 victory, keeping them top of the table. The multiplex was rather dull in terms of goals, but Nets got a vital home win against Derby rivals Nancy to pull six points clear of relegation, while Bastia kept themselves provisionally alive as well, winning 1-0 over Rennes behind closed doors. Saint-Étienne kept their hopes of European football alive, if barely, in a 2-0 win at Ganga. A late goal from Emiliano Sala saw it not frustrate Lorient in a 1-0 Breton derby, while Lille won 3-0 at Montpellier. On Sunday, Marseille kept up the pressure on the teams above them with a 5-1 win at Caen, a hat-trick from Florian Tovan and a brace from Maxime Lopez leading the way. Bordeaux stumbled at Dijon, only able to earn a scoreless draw, but a point for the hosts sees them move ahead of Caen and out of the drop zone on goal difference. And at the Allianz-Riviera, Nice won 3-1 over Paris Saint-Germain, the visitors finishing with nine men. Superb goals from Mario Balotelli and Ricardo Pereira were the match's highlights, but Angel Di Maria and Thiago Mato were sent off late on in a feisty encounter that has likely cost Unai Emery the title, and as some would have it, his job. In Ligue 2, wins from Amiens, Troyes, and Rennes saw them stay alive in their push for promotion, while leader Strasbourg's 2-0 win over Le Havre has some five points clear of third with three matches remaining. That's all the news for now. Do be sure to follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit our website www.getfootballnewsfrance.com for all the latest news and views on the world of French football. Welcome Andy Brassel to the show this evening, a journalist with a long and impressive resume who can currently be found on TalkSport, BT Sport, BBC, and The Guardian, among other venues. So let's start this evening with a thrilling encounter between Nice and Paris Saint-Germain. A 3-1 win for the hosts does give them faint hope of catching their opponents for second place, but more importantly, gives Monaco a massive opportunity to win the title. Andy, PSG's meltdown has garnered many of the headlines, but credit where credit is due. Nice has to be the real story here. Talk to me about the way this team's evolved through this season, and indeed improved, even in the face of a raft of injuries. Yeah, well, I, th I think we go before the raft of injuries, Eric, and we just look at the players who, who left last summer. And I, I think that's easy to forget now, the fact that um, uh, they, they lost Atem Ben Arfa, of course, the fact they lost Valère Germain, who went back down the road to, to Monaco, and Jeremy Pierre, I, I think, is a, a big one as well, because the fullbacks were really important for Nice last season. And people kind of forget about Pierre because... A, he went to Southampton, and B, he's been injured, so he's sort of disappeared from from view. So um, to deal with that has has been fantastic. To deal with a new coach um, has, has been something else. But it's, it's all really been down to to, to Lucien Favre, I, I would say. Obviously, he had a, a good base um, already in place in terms of the infrastructure of the club, um, the way it's run on a day to day basis, and some very good players there already. Um, but I think, A, the tweaks in emphasis to the way they've played, um, B, the personnel that he's brought in, and uh, I'm, th I'm thinking about uh, Dante and uh, William Cyprien until he got injured, who, who, who was absolutely fantastic. As, as you say, that was, that, was, that was a big injury, along with that to uh, Alassane Player. And um, it's interesting. I think when, when you look at their strength this season, it's all been about midfield. And uh, Eunice Belander, of course, has been another signing. He's, he's done a good job. Uh, but for me, Jean-Michael Serri has been the, the best player in the team. And I think if you rewind 12 months, not only is it difficult to imagine them flourishing to, well, not even the same degree, a, a far greater degree, 
without um, Ben Arthur, without Germain and without Pierre, you would have thought that Vincent Cossiello would have been an obvious first pick as he, he was last season. Now, the fact that he's not been in the eleven for a lot of the season just shows how incredibly strong they are in midfield. And, you know, this has helped them to control the tempo of games. If you look at um, the stats, they keep the ball better than anyone in the division apart from Paris Saint-Germain. And that, again, was, I think, a notable uh, point of, of this win over PSG because not just tactically, but psychologically, making the switch when you play PSG to from having two-thirds of the ball to having a third of, of, of possession is, is a really difficult one. But they managed to manage that really well, especially in the first half, and defend very doggedly in the second half when um, Paris up the tempo, especially after they got a goal back. And I think that just shows their versatility, how smartly they're coached and how well organised they are. Yeah, I, I would definitely tend to agree with that. Uh, Adam, one of my uh, co-writers, and I had a piece in The, in the Guardian about the evolution of this, and I have to agree. I think that Favre's tactical switches have been incredibly innovative, as well as using players in slightly different roles. Ricardo Pereira and Sarri, I think, are two fine examples of that. Um, Philip, Unai Emery played a starting eleven nearly identical to the one which thrashed Monaco midweek in the Coupe de France. Now, was this loss somewhat down to tired legs, particularly in the case of veterans like Maxwell and Thiago Mata, or is something bigger at play here? Um, it's diff- Tell me. Go ahead. Sorry, Philip. Go ahead. Um, it's definitely got to do with the opposition more than more than the PSG players um, being being tied or anything. Once again, every time PSG seem to seem to fall against a, a side that uh, is um, you know not too bad defensively, uh, well organised, and uh, that was Nice uh, last night. The four four one one worked uh, quite well, and it's a bit it's a bit strange to to see that actually PSG started the game much much better. And uh, if there's one player I wanted to pinpoint that actually changed the game, it was uh, Siri. Siri actually started the game. He wasn't very good. He was losing the ball in very dangerous areas. But as the game wore on, he kept pressing uh, the trio of Matuidi, Verratti, and uh, Thiago Mota, who had an, an awful, a really awful game. And um, once again, PSG just like this kind of identity and uh, a knack of, um, you know... Um, Pulling your pulling your socks off and um, and doing doing the business when when there's quality um, in the um, on the pitch, it just it's it's not um, it's very worrying for Unai because PSG were absolutely awful from open play and uh, the goal came from a Thiago Silva header uh, which was actually touched upon by Marquinhos. It came from a corner. There were there was a mini shot that came from a corner as well. There were a few chances where Kalinar had to had to take his um, uh, take takes takes a ball, and it was just set pieces. And it just just goes to show that from open play, PSG were just not not good, not good at all. Um, which is which was not really the case of uh, of Nice, who scored some uh, some fine goals. But yeah, something has to uh, something has to to uh, to change massive massive squad uh, uh, reshuffle this this summer. I think. Andy, what what are your thoughts on PSG's performance and indeed issues that might face them going forward? Well, I, I think I, I agree with Philip. I, I think especially in the first half, they had so much of the ball and did so little with it is is, is a real concern. 
Um, going back to rotation as well, um, yeah, I, I, th I think it is quite unusual, that, that, especially the Maxwell and, and Thiago Motta thing. I tend to think with Thiago Motta, you're never going to get a lot physically out of him any, anyway because um, he's a player who is, is an old 34. He's, he's taken some big injuries. And I think you saw last season that teams were getting wise to his lack of mobility. So it's all about the players who are around him and them being absolutely tip-top. I thought Blaise Matuidi was very disappointing. And when that happens, that is always going to present a, a problem to Thiago Motta. Um, Maxwell, I, I think, is worth pinpointing as well, especially with um, so much energy coming from uh, Ricardo Pereira in, in the first half. I, I think that, that, that showed up the, the, the difficulty there. And they didn't really need to play the, the full team that they did against Monaco because the world and his wife knew that Monaco were playing reserves plus kids, mainly kids. Um, so I, I think it's it strange to hear Marco Verratti saying that um, Monaco disrespected the cup and all the rest of it. You have to make difficult choices at this point of the season. That's a, a given. And I think Paris could have thought ahead and, and maybe played a half-and-half half team themselves that, that, that would have been enough to win the game still. That they, they still would have got to where they wanted to go and the, the cup final, given that they're, they're carrying injuries in the squad at the moment, it's a really unusual uh, decision. So, you know, I, I think there are questions to be to be asked, but I think a lot of these questions that are, or a lot of these criticisms that get levelled specifically at Unai Emery, and I, I don't expect him to keep his job next season, um, about them coming up short in big matches, especially cup matches. I, I think you could. You could, you could level those really at, at Laurent Blanc as well. You, I think there comes a point, like Philippe says, with getting to a point where you have a reshuffle, where maybe it's not the coach, maybe it is the players. You know, you, you look at, people have talked about them bottling against Barcelona and bottling this game against Nice. But you know what? If, if you go backwards and you think of the quarterfinal against Manchester City in the Champions League last year, if you go way back, and think of them going to Stamford Bridge in the Champions League with a 3-1 lead and, and managing to make a mess of it when they had a lot of chances to kill the game. You wonder if it's something intrinsic in this set of players. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of big heads roll this summer. Obviously, there are financial um, implications and intricacies to be worked around when that is the case. But I've, I've heard a lot of criticism in France of uh, Thiago Silva since that Barcelona game. Um, and people wondering whether he's a good leader anymore. Um, now, obviously, last night showed he's still an incredible threat from, from mm. set pieces. But I think there is that concern about leadership in the side, especially post-Latin. And I think with Marco Verratti having stepped up into more of that leadership role when he's still quite a young player, it shows the lack of other leaders around him. And, and that's what would concern me if I were part of the PSG hierarchy. Beyond the coach, um, I think you have to look... A, on the pitch, and B, the leadership off it in the football management area, because I think Patrick Clivert's really out of his depth as well. So there needs to be a lot of freshening on and off the pitch, I think. 
And you mentioned um, uh, something being intrinsic to uh, to the players. I think sometimes it's um, uh, PSG fans feel that it, it's intrinsic to uh, the club in general of just uh, uh, making a mess of a of a very good uh, very good position, uh, like against Barcelona. Let's look. Let's look at the substitutions last night. Okay, you had uh, f for some reason Unai started Ori in front of Munier. It was probably you know because of tight tight legs or something. I don't know, but um, you know. To, to to me to me um it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best move and of course it's easy to say that in in hindsight first substitution was uh take off maxwell uh a left back and replace him by Munier, a right back so you basically you one nil down in a massive game if you lose it you're out of the title race you you've lost the title what, what he does is uh, he changes fullbacks. Then what, the second substitution is he uh, takes off Oyer, which he probably should have done in you know at halftime, and replaces him with Rabiot. Matuidi goes at um, at left back, and then the the first um, real attacking threat uh, related substitution he does is Lucas after 70, 77 minutes. So basically, the, probably the substitution you would you would think about first was made with 30 minutes to go. And this this is a problem. I'm not I'm not criticizing Unai. I I don't want him to be sad. I want him to stay. I want him to get rid of uh, loads of players he doesn't like, uh, like Atom Benafo. I mean, it needs to be it needs to be said. I mean, we we need, to, we need to talk about what's going to happen to him if Unai stays because he he can't. You know he can't stay if Unai stays. There's uh, there's going there's going to be this debate. This debate is going to have to be have to be made. Um, Sooner rather than later, because he wasn't taken with the 18 players that went uh, went down to Nice, and this was his game. I mean, I'm sorry, that was this was this was for him. I mean, he knew the place. He he played there last season. He was he was brilliant there last season. And um, Peugeot needed uh, needed goals. He needed um, uh, creativity, inventiveness. And Ben Arfa was was at home watching the game, probably probably on on television or I don't know. It just you know, it, it really needs uh, something. Really needs to be done this summer. I'm thinking of uh, of, of the names. I'm thinking of Oye Marquinhos, uh, Mota, and Lucas. I mean, get rid of those four first, and maybe Ben Arfa if Unai stays. Then you've got, yeah, you've got. Um, you freed up a lot of um, of uh, wages to um, to recruit players that uh, you. I mean, you could very well very well do like Bayern and recruit just in Liga. And that would be, you know. Certainly, I think there's, I a, there's a lot of decisions to be made. Um, but speaking about future plans, Andy, Nice will once again face some restructuring this summer, as they had last summer, getting rid of Germain, Ben Arfa, as you mentioned, Pierre, uh, Nampelis Mendy. Uh, but they've got big decisions coming up this summer as well. Mario Balotelli, Eunice Balanda's on loan, Ricardo Perez as well. It does not look like Porto will let that deal become permanent. Uh, Willan Cyprian and Alison Player are also both likely to miss the beginning of the season. Uh, but are we talking about with Nice a side who can sustain success based on the evidence you've seen this season? Yeah, I, I really think so, Eric. Um, I mean, it obviously depends what you define as success. For them, I think staying around the top three or four is is, is good. And um, getting into the Champions League is, is, is going to be key. But I, I think you make a good point, the fact that um, if Cyprien is, is, is back for the start of next season, really be at full tilt when it, it comes to the Champions League playoffs. I think they have to strengthen. Um, I'm not talking about going crazy and going on a spree. What they've done is about stability and that fine coaches is what has helped. 
Lucien Favre to, to, to pick up the thread and, and, and build on it. Um, but I, I think the, the, big, the big decision is Balotelli, I, I think, because as you say, Ricardo Pereira, they've got limited control over that. And if Porto were to do a permanent deal, they're going to charge what they want, which is going to be a lot of money and very possibly beyond the, the, the means of, of, of Nice. Um, Belander, I expect to stay. He seems to really like it there. Um, Balotelli should stay, I think. Uh, his, his only other option, really, is is going to the Far East because you look at the other clubs in Europe he could go to because of the reputation he's got. And I don't think... Whereas he's had his, his really great moments this season, I think the season as a whole... It wasn't a consistent season of re- rehabilitation as Atem Ben Arthur's was, so I don't think his reputation has changed that much to get him a move to a to a bigger club. Now Ben Arthur comes into the picture as well because, of course, he's been linked with with a return to Nice. I don't see a situation where you can include um, Balotelli and Ben Arthur in the same eleven, and that's not just because of the possible dispute over the fact that. Ben Arthur's fresque was painted over with Balotelli's one. I think um, it, it's a lot to carry. And Balotelli's been a work in progress. He's been a fascinating work in progress throughout the season. And I think we've seen in recent weeks at the point where he really needed to step up and, and replace player. His industry was terrific against Paris Saint-Germain. The way he didn't rise to the Paris players provoking him was really fantastic as well. And if you can see that on a more consistent basis, well... You know, he's got Champions League football to look forward to. You know, it's something, it's something that he should be, he should be looking forward to. But um, if they can get him to stay, I, I think that's a real boost for him. It's a real boost for the club. Um, but, but really, I think one of the key signings, obviously, that hasn't been talked about so much since Balotelli's um, garnered a lot of interest, has been Dante, of course. And someone like that, who's got that sort of experience, who's been a real leader, something that, that as we were saying, Paris have, have, have really lacked. If they can get more of that type of player, I mean, obviously, Luis Gustavo was a, a player who was linked. Um, he's at the end of his tether, I think we've seen from the weekend's events at, at Wolfsburg. And we know that um, Nice can carry like fairly sizable wages since, um, since their, their, their Chinese takeover. So I think he would be an interesting one. And that's the sort of area that they should be looking at, seeing as they've already got a load of terrific young players of their own. Is Saar injured? Saar, is, Saar has not really played since the loss to Monaco. It's a, a loss of form, yeah. a matter of, of Favre wanting to protect him. I was going to say, he's, um, I mean, for, 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 for standing, Pulbis has been actually quite quite good. I mean, he's lost uh, he's made a couple of mistakes. Um um, early on in the game, just like actually, just like Siri, but uh, he was uh, quite instrumental in the sendings off. And um, but uh, yeah, he showed all his all his experience. I just wanted to yeah put put that into into heart. I thought I thought it was a it was good that such an experienced guy had the had the necessary you know um, expertise to perform well in uh, in a game of uh, the magnitude of uh, last night. All right. Turning our attention out of the Champions League just before you head off, Andy. Uh, Monaco hosts Juventus on Wednesday. Camille Glick has marked the Italian side as favorites. And Timoe Bakayoko is a doubt with a broken nose. Monaco have impressed in their progression to date. 
But if we're being honest, the defenses they've faced have been pretty poor in Manchester City and Borussia Dortmund. Juventus are certainly a different animal defensively. Uh, so what hope can Monaco fans have ahead of this, of this match? Um, it's it's going to be tough. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and Juventus are, are favourites for a reason. Um, because Juventus are not just really defensively sturdy, but um, ever since the days of Antonio Conte, actually, a lot of what they've done has, has, has been about physical power, has been about grinding teams down in, in, in the last 20 minutes and being, being able to outlast the opposition. For that reason, I think it's hugely important that Bakayoko's fit. Um, Fabinho, of course, um, directs the traffic. He makes it all happen. Um, but Bakayoko's power and um, ability to, to keep him in the game, I, I think is, is going to be really important. Jean Moutinho just doesn't have that level of, of physicality. So I, I think that could be big. But, I mean, it's coming at the best possible moment for, for Monaco. Of course, um, there's, there's the fact they've played a lot of games, but I think they were wise, as I said before, to um, make those heavy rotations for the Coupe de France semi. I think you have to sacrifice something, as, as, as I said. And um, I, I went um, to, to meet um, Mbappe and Bakayoko last week, and there's just such a, a, a togetherness and excitement in this squad. You know, they're really running on adrenaline. So you can say that they're less experienced than Juventus. Well, Juventus aren't hugely experienced at this level of the Champions League. You know, it's not like they've qualified for, for, for 10 seasons in a row. And before the 2015 final, they were really feeling their way back into the Champions League under Conte. Um, I think it's interesting because enough of those players were about in the quarterfinal against Juve in, um, in, in 2015 for them to have a flavour of what to expect. And you have to say, a, a not as good Monaco team at the moment made it very, very close in that quarterfinal. I was at the second leg of that. And if they'd have scored in the first 30 minutes, I, I really think they could have gone on to win the tie and get to the semi-final that time. So they can take hope from that as well. And I just think the main point is is obvious, but is, is, is Kylian Mbappe. He's uh, just in such terrific form at the moment. He's absolutely walking on water. And talking to him, um, I was saying about how it's been a long season, of course, starting with the, the Euro under-19s. And he replied, well, I don't feel like that because I just love playing football. And it's all seemed to go in the, the, the blink of an eye. And so I, I think that's representative of, of, the, of the squad. You know, I think they've learned from from what happened at Manchester City defensively, as, as, as you say. And I don't think Juventus are going to have quite the physical power of, of, of City going into that last 25 minutes of the game. But I think that they've learned a little bit about game management and that showed in the second leg against Dortmund because it looked like a really comfortable win. If, if you look at it 6-3 on aggregate on paper, it looks like a breeze, but they were never safe until Germain and Lars Rickendam and, and, and scored the final goal. So that they were able to dig in and, and cope with that when Dortmund were throwing everything at it, albeit it was a very unusual atmosphere to the, to the tie of the two legs for obvious reasons, I think shows that they're, that they're learning on the job. And of course, with their firepower, you can't count them out. All right. So, Philip, how do you see this shaping up? Do you care to give us a prediction? Um, I would say that I, th 
I, I, I maybe fancy a, a, a narrow Monaco win from the first leg or a score draw. I think Juventus will win over the two legs and I think it'll end up being a, a Real Madrid versus Juventus final. But I mean, the quarterfinal, I'm, I'm well, sorry, semi-final I'm thinking of is the Monaco Juventus one from 98. I'm hoping for that sort of entertainment, the, the sort of entertainment that, that we got in the second leg of that when um, Henri and company were throwing everything uh, a, a Peruzzi and um, if it can be something like that I mean even if it doesn't turn out as they want it will be entertained How did this finish you? because I didn't I actually wasn't into football at that time I got into football at the 98 World Cup so that was just before so how, how does this end Monaco well, Juventus in- Juventus won 4-1 in the first leg and it looked like a in, breeze in, in, in Italy in Turin and mm. um, in, in the second leg at Monaco Monaco won 3-2 but it was okay. again. It was closer than it sounds. They yeah. they, they really peppered Juventus that night. And it was very very exciting. All right, Andy. Before I let you go, I did want to ask you about the Europa League. Corinthians, uh, Aliso, and Alexander Lacazette are doubts for this match. And lacking their key attackers, do Leon try to play more defensively in Amsterdam, or should they press for that important away goal? Um, I think an away goal is hugely important. But I think given the amount of attacking players they carry. Given the fact that they've had their defensive issues this season, I think they have to go with Gonalo and Toussaint in, in, in front of the back four. I think that's the only sensible way to do it. Of course, the other good thing about that is that allows Toliso, presuming he's fit, which it looks like he will be, to play further up the pitch. And especially with Lacazette not playing, his late runs into the box are going to be very, very important. All right. Thank you for joining us, Andy. Do be sure to follow him on Twitter at Andy Brassel to stay up to date with all of his various work. Thank you very much for joining us and hope to speak to you soon. Thanks. Speak soon. Uh, Thanks. I feel like, what about you? Leon still look a good bet for fourth, even before adding a potential three points from the Bastion match, but they lack much synthesis against Angers on Friday. Is the European final a bridge too far, or do you think they can uh, defeat this Ajax side? I was actually surprised. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch the game on Friday evening. I, I was actually uh, surprised that Lyon... Uh, one at Angers and took this tie as um, well uh, relatively relatively seriously, considering what was uh, what was going afterwards. I mean, they are playing for their their season basically, because if they don't win this tournament, uh, and they've got a, uh, they've got a very good chance of doing it. And if they don't win this tournament, they face uh, maybe losing uh, Lacazette and Tudiso. And um, yeah, I didn't I, I honestly expected uh, maybe a, a goalless draw or a score draw, but I didn't didn't actually expect Lyon to to um, to win this. So it was uh, it was actually uh, it was actually a nice surprise. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Um, and regarding this, I mean, it can only be positive for the semi-final. But uh, you know, I mean, I'm taking you you watch the game, so you probably know more about it than I do. Well, what I would say is if you didn't see Leon's goals, they were thoroughly bossed by Ange. Ange looked really, really good. Mm. Lopez played a blinder. Uh, and their goals were, I mean, really freakish. One was a deflected cross that Sissoko mishit in, in, in the clearance, and it went off Albuena and in. It just really wasn't exact. Wasn't a, a picture of synthesis in Leon and full attacking flow. It's assuming they're very best. You know, thinking about those matches, you know, the one against Roma recently, the, the first leg where they where they won, it was not vintage Leon by any means. Um, the news that Toliso is, is possible to play is is I think certainly a good thing, but I do worry about the lack of lack lack of Lacazette uh, in mm. that match. I, I think it's going to be really tough for Leon if Lacazette can 
return with a, a modicum of fitness. Hopefully he can play for, say, 30 minutes against not on, on Sunday if he's not fit on Wednesday just to get uh, get a sense of being back and being back to if not full fitness a, a sense of rhythm for for a competitive match and he can he can be ready to go uh, if he's not I, I really he's not available for either like I really do worry about Leon's chances they've tried Fakir they've tried Depay at center forward uh, mm-hmm. they've tried Corne a handful of times as well I, there just isn't somebody who has not only that goal scoring threat but uh, but that work ethic from center forward. I mean, Depay is a fantastically talented player, as is Fakir, but I think really what sets like Lacazette apart when makes him such a dynamic player is that he does work so hard. He's really evolved into a real leader on the pitch this season. His passing, his ability to link play with wingers cutting inside or overlapping fullbacks, uh, he's a really complete center. He's not just a poacher. They accused him of being earlier in his career. And without that, I really do work how will set up. I mean, I would guess uh, that Fekir would start at center forward for smash, uh, probably Valbuena on the left, as a corner on the right, and a 4 2 3 1. If Caliso is fit, uh, if Caliso is not fit, I would probably look for a free with Jordan Ferry and Lucas Tussart playing as box to box midfielders. Um, but it's, it's certainly going to be a very tough ask for Leon. Um, so the other question I wanted to ask you, though, Philip, uh, are Leon going to be able to sustain? Sustain the sort of success as that until he said go. The club have always turned players over. We're thinking back to the likes of Essien, Benzema, uh, mm. even, even Gomez, Lissandro Lopez in, uh, in more recent years. But they don't, as I just mentioned, seem to really lack a suitable alternative for, for Alexander Lacazette. Is there anybody you could see in particular coming in as a replacement for him, whether from France or abroad? For Lacazette? You mean? I mean, is there no. is there a player that you? Oh, is there a player that you would see being a, a good replacement for Lacazette, either either in Liga or abroad? Well, some 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 names spring to mind, like like Mbappé uh, Lotin or something like that. But uh, you know, it might be a bit uh, uh, a bit expensive. I well, first of all, it's not well, he's not gone, he's not gone yet. But there are some players in Liga and I and. I truly believe that we've had a very, very good season, uh, better than the Premiership, I would say. And it doesn't really strike me as uh, like Liga are going to get pillaged by the Premiership, uh, just like every every other every other year. My favorite, or more realistic one, would be Louis Juni from Dijon, who is not uh, not bad. Um, of course, he's no, you know, he's no, he's no Lacazette. There's there's a certain player uh, uh, who plays at uh, plays at Nice. It could be a return for uh, Buffetimbi Gomis. But again, it's you know, it depends how much uh, money Olas is ready to to uh, to put. Uh, how much of the Lacazette money Olas is ready ready to put in? But I think for 10 million, he can find something something quite uh, quite suitable. There's also uh, Mukandru could could be playing on another level. Probably not uh, centre forward. Like there's uh, Alan Samaxima is probably going to get relegated with Bastia, who's going to want to stay in the French first first division. So that could be a good move for Lyon too. I don't see why Lyon have to look abroad for this one, it, and if it's to replace uh, Lacazette or Tolisso, I think Liga has a, a lot to offer, and that uh, if Lyon are serious about making it back into the top three, and it's going to be tough, it's going to be extremely. It's really hard for them. Uh, next season is a big is a big season, and I think even before 
you know, making those projections, I think we need to know if Virginie Jules will still be the coach next season. That's a big, that's a big I, I, question, I would think. Big question. I would tend to that would be the case. Uh, another player that has been linked, I think, is Anthony Marshall, whether on loan or I think is more likely given how much his purchase price was for Manchester United. What would you think about a return from Marshall to the, to the Park OL? And having been an academy player there before being sold to Monaco. Well, I think it's it's quite. Um, it looks on the um, it looks on the books, doesn't it? Because uh, he's not had a great season with Manchester United. He's not uh, having a great relationship with Mourinho. Um, it does look, uh, yeah, it does look likely. It would be uh, a, a massive. Uh, well, there's the, the proof that uh, um, his uh, transfer fee was a massive uh, waste of money on Manchester United's part and uh, great uh, businessmanship by uh, by Monaco, who uh, may well. Uh, strike uh, a couple of more deals like that this summer, but yeah, it does. Uh, it looks. Yeah, it does look uh, look likely. But um, would that be uh, like like for like re replacement? Because I've never seen really him thrive that much. He was. Um, I, I think he was. He would be. He would have a field day uh, this season with uh, with Monaco, and he probably left a bit uh, maybe a season too soon. But it would be interesting to see him given the number ten from Lacazette straight away. So you sell Lacazette and you and you buy Martial from Manchester United. That would be uh, that would be quite interesting to see because he can play on the wing as well. Um, yeah, to to be seen. I mean, how many how many actual seasons has he had being the main man up front? One. Half of one with with Monaco, I would argue. Yeah, so we, we just yeah, we, so we just don't know. Quite quite an, an exciting prospect this. All right. So turning away what from you? no, I, I think I think Marshall. If if Leon do have the money as a result of this Chinese investment that they received uh, earlier in the season, I do think that the Marshall makes the right pick. I think that given that he has experience playing in that four three three at Monaco centrally, uh, that was a team that wasn't quite as attack-minded as Leon, but did require Montreal to do, do a lot of the little things that, that dirty work that I mentioned Lacazette's become so adept at. He does have that in his locker, and I think I think that would really go well for him. I don't know that he'd be quite as prolific as Lacazette, but if, if you could get 15 or 20 goals for him, from him, I think that a full season of Depay, Fakir continue to work back to fitness, I think Leon would be all right. Again, you know, especially with Talisa leaving, I do question a return to the top three, but I think that Leon would certainly be... A, a force in Europe again, and and right about right about that cusp of the top three, uh, I think that Monaco and PSG probably look a good bet to repeat as top two. I think it mm -hmm. remains to be seen how the summer shapes up for Nice, but certainly Monaco or certainly Leon could put themselves into that conversation. So I wanted to also take a look. We had confirm second place first, though. <laughs> before talking well, about. <laughs> well, let's let's see how the summer goes. I mean, there's a lot of players that. PSG, again, there's a lot of players that I think they could sell for a very good price and that could really shape things. The likes of Arati and, and Marquinhos and, and, and um, Aurier, for example, I think it all fetch really hefty fees, could give PSG more power than they had thought. Uh, but let's look now at the Trophy UNFP. Um, Adam and I briefly touched on this, but I wanted to get your take on these, Philip. We'll go through each category and speak about potential omissions and who you'd like as a winner. Uh, first of all, for young player, we have Kylian Mbappe, Adrian Rabio, Thomas Lamar, and Willem Cyprian. Any objections to any of those? And who would you have as a winner uh, of those four? Uh, if I say Rabio, do you believe me? I, no, Phil, no, no, Philip, it's your opinion on that. <laughs> no, 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 of course, no. It, it has to be Mbappe. All four, all four are extremely good shouts. Um, and um, I. 
yeah, I don't I don't see any omissions to be to be particularly to be particularly honest. But yeah, you know, it has to be has to be Mbappe. It's always a, it's it's a bit boring to say you know well he's he's been he's been um, whipping defenses to shreds left, right, and centre in France and in Europe. So it's a bit obvious to say Mbappe. But you know, the guy the, the kid is so good that it it just has to go to to him in my book. Yeah, I would agree. There was so there have been some folks that said maybe picking Rabiot is courting controversy given how much time he's missed through injury and that maybe mm. his French caps were, were prejudicing people. Some people I, I've seen mention this a job, uh, for example, uh, or maybe Tardia Kabi says some younger defenders. I think that they've had, they've had a lot of those. But I, I think I, have, I certainly have to agree with you. Kylian Mbappe has been a phenomenon this season. I mean, he's the most talked about young player in Europe. And when you watch him play, there's just this, as Andy rightly said, there's this drive, there's this enthusiasm, there's this energy, and it really is tremendous to watch him play. We saw that on Saturday against Toulouse. If you watch that that match, there was, even after going a goal down, there were a few wobbles from Monaco in that match, but I think once you saw Mbappe get on his horse, there was never any question that his will to win and his challenge is really incredible. I feel really bad for Le Mans and Cyprien, though. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking as if... Uh... Mbappé has already won it, but I'm pretty sure he has already. Uh, I, I would feel pretty bad um, if I were Le Mar or Cyprien because they've had fantastic seasons, absolutely amazing seasons for for their age. And yeah, I, I, if Mbappé wins, it's pretty harsh on both of them. Yeah, well, Le Mar was shortlisted last year, of course, but Usman Dembélé mm. won, so it's it's he's he's the bridesmaid two yeah. times running. Um, Manager of the year, I think we have three very solid candidates in Lucien Favre, Leonard Jardim, and Jocelyn Gorbanek. And then we have mm -hmm. Unai Emery. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what is your take on those, on those four? Uh, if you disagree with Emery being a nominee, who might you uh, want to replace the PSG manager? I disagree on Emery being the manager. Um, I'm not quite sure what Gorbanek is doing there either, even though I think he's had... He's been okay, I would think. I would actually put um, Rudy Garcia of Marseille because he's had a tougher time. Marseille is a hard place to come. There's a lot more pressure. Uh, the, 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 the fans have much more much more power, much more pulling power than, um, than at, uh, at Bordeaux. So yes, Bordeaux have been unbeaten for three games, now four games, um, but they were still, they're still still quite uh, convalescent from the from the blonde years um i don't find them particularly uh, appealing to to watch i know we uh, it's not everybody everybody's opinion um but yeah to me it's between i'm not quite sure what these two are doing except that maybe it's uh, a lack of a better lack of a better option but i would put i would actually put really garcia in that uh, in that bracket because uh, he's not done that bad a job and um yeah, obviously it's between Favre and Jardim. So both of them have actually uh, uh, built uh, a side, despite uh, despite losing very important players in the summer. When you take Jardim, uh, he's uh, nurtured Bernardo Silva, he's nurtured uh, Lemar. He uh, he told Mbappe, "Okay, uh, you're 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 a brilliant player. You can go and have some fun." He's doing it. Falcao is probably having one of his best seasons in his career. Um, Good, um, a very, very solid um, summer, summer acquisitions in Djibril Sidibé, Bernard Mendy, Camille Glick. He uh, got Jameson from Brazil. I mean, he made this team. 
and to me, he he should win it. Favre is a very very close runner up though. Uh, he lost uh, he lost Ben Alfa. He would place him with uh, with Belanda. He um, actually Cotillo had a fantastic season last season, but uh, he said no. You're going on the bench because Remy Valter is better. Uh, Alassane Clair is uh, is twice the player he was last season. Balotelli, you know, not uh, not that bad. Uh, all things all things considered. So yeah, it's between the two of them, and I would have to go for for Jardim for the sheer quality and how he's transformed the players that were in League Two a couple of seasons ago. But both of them, I mean, it's it's so close. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, two really, really outstanding managers. I think, along with what Julian Nagelsmann's done at Hoffenheim, we would have to say are you know three of the most exciting managers in two of the three most exciting managers in Europe are, are in France. Uh, mm. For me, I, I I do want to give a little bit of love to Jocelyn Gorvenek. I think that he's perhaps been a little bit maligned. Bordeaux had a really middle start to this season. He was irrationally to me, giving a lot of time to the likes of Jeremy Menez and Diego Roland without much end product. But since he switched tactically to a 4-3-3 away from the diamond, and he's given all these young players a chance, the likes of Valentin Bada, Gaetan Laborde, Francois Camino, uh, Malcolm, uh, even Sabali and Gaik to some extent, I, I think that I think that Bordeaux have looked a more complete team. They're really exciting to watch. Vada, in particular, uh, has really come out of nowhere. I mean, the, the other players we've mentioned, Laborde aside, uh, have, have had some experience in Liga, and, and they have looked decent. But I think that, that Vada has, has been an incredible box-to-box uh, slash attacking midfielder, a lot of energy, a lot of power, and I think he's really one to watch. And I think that Gorvinek gets a lot of credit for this. I think that if we see this... Bordeaux team in Europe next year, and they're not broken up. Uh, I think that France really have a, a team that they can be, they can look to to, to continue this the high standard of play that we've seen from from the likes of Lyon and the likes of Monaco this season. Uh, player of the year, we have Bernardo Silva, Edison Cavani, Alexander Lacazette, and Marco Verratti. Any disagreements with that list? Who would you have in it that's missing, and, and who would be your player of the year? I would have the whole squad of Nissan Monaco in there, so it's uh, it's a bit it's a bit um, yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a short list. It's not it's not much of a short list actually. Uh, Bernardo Silva, I agree with Cavani, Lacazette for, for the sheer amount of goals uh, they've scored. Uh, Marco Verratti, yeah, okay. It's not been his best season. Uh, you could you could also throw uh, fellas like um, like Willian Willian Cyprien. Uh, Remy Valter was uh, was was quite good. Uh, why isn't Fabinho in there? Actually, I'll, I'll give it to Fabinho. I think um, given if we're taking if we're taking, I think this this list is extremely obvious. As in, they have taken uh, two of the top the two top scorers. I think I think they are. Yeah. Yeah, um, and um, I can't seem to find them. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so 31 for Cavani, 24 for Lacazette. Uh, they've taken Virati. I'm not re- entirely sure why. And Bernardo Silva for yeah for his quality. But uh, there are other players. I mean, yeah, you have uh, you have you have Turin, You have uh, you have Fabinho, who was uh, who was very good as well. Um, you had Dante, who who has been um, who has been uh, quite uh, quite good as well. Cardinal, we'll probably talk about about him where we have goalkeeper of the year. I'm going to give it to Fabinho, and I'm not quite sure why he's not has not been picked. 
because he's been such a uh, such an inspiration to, uh, to to the whole league and how how he can you know transform the game. And we saw it in the League Cup final. I mean, his his absence changed everything. Yeah, I, I have to absolutely agree with you there, Philip. John Michael Sarri is another one who I think might agree not to be on that list. But I think absolutely the difference between Monaco with Fabinho and Monaco without, uh, I think, is in terms of his positioning, his work rate, the way he can cover the fullback positions and allow those players to get forward and to allow a freer row for, for Bakayoko or Moutinho, whoever alongside him. Uh, he's a really complete player, an incredible uh, workhorse, and he des- definitely makes Monaco tick. So I agree with you. He is a big omission for me. He would be my player of the year. So goalkeeper of the year, as you rightly mentioned, uh, the short list is Baptiste Rene, Kevin Trapp, uh, uh, Daniel Subasic, and Anthony Lopez. And you mentioned Johan Cardinal. Any other omissions there, and, and who would win your vote? Ruffier. Uh, actually, Ruffier is an omission. It's not. It's not particularly someone I think would deserve to uh, to win this. Uh, um, you know, uh, hands down. Rene is. Uh, yeah, he's been. He's been quite good actually. Trapp, really. Not really. Uh, Subasic Lopez, and it's to me it's between Trap Subasic Lopez. Uh, sorry, Subasic Lopez, uh, Cardinal, and uh, and Ruffier. Um, Johan Pelle from Marseille. Any yeah, love yeah. Him? I mean, it's, uh, I'll, I'll only go go for Johan Pelle above uh, above. Uh, I'll only put Johan Pelle uh, in that list uh, in place of uh, Kevin Trap. Just. I mean, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, PSG psychology there. I honestly, in terms of speaking of psychology, uh, with the hard time he's had, I think um, uh, Anthony Lopez has had a very hard time with uh, all the games being um, all the games being stopped against uh, Besiktas, the incident at Bastia. It's maybe of a of a. Um, of a lame excuse, but I'm I'm actually uh, willing to to give my vote to him, to Lopez because uh, he was yeah to Lopez because he was he was only second best in the in the first half of the season uh, to Ruffier and we all agreed on Ruffier uh, if you remember our pod um, late uh, 2016 or early 2017 it was we all agreed on him and uh, Lopez was a yeah Lopez was a close second. As it turns out, uh, Ruffier has not had. Uh, he's still been uh, absolutely, absolutely brilliant, of course. But uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Lopez, uh, given what he's learned, what he, what he's been through, uh, I think he's he's managed it very, very well. And a lot of a lot of players would have uh, probably not have managed it um, all that well. So I would give it to him, even though the reasons are not exactly, you know, professional. So no, no, Philip. I think that's certainly a valid point. I mean, and again, who knows how the minds of voters are swayed on these things? They could be thinking along the lines of, of you. I would personally say, as a Leon fan, I think that Lopez is actually not quite at the same level he was either in the first half of the season or last year, at present. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do think that for me, I think it has to go to Rene. I think that he's, mm-hmm. I think that he's been absolutely fantastic this season, and, and I think that he's the kind of. People will make the argument, okay, well, he looks good because he's kept busy. Well, I mean, yes, that's true, but I, mm. I think that he's also he's, he's also had to overcome a lot in terms of relegations, not being able to make it with teams. He had that big move to Lorient, but he couldn't beat out Lecomte. Uh, so he's overcome a lot in his career in terms of having a somewhat itinerant career, but he's really found his place with Dijon, and he's really done a good job uh, keeping them in a lot of matches. I think about a recent match with Marseille, and and how well he performed there. I mean, he's 
He's a really impressive player, and I think he deserves the nod from me. Our final LFP award uh, is Best Frenchman Abroad. Uh, we have Antoine Griezmann, Ousmane Bambele, N'Golo Kante, and Karim Benzema. What are your thoughts on that list, and who would you have as the winner? I have no idea. Uh, Dembele has certainly been um, has certainly been an inspiration. Um, not an inspiration. It's um, he's looked he's looked to be an, an, a very important part of the Borussia Dortmund side. We saw that in the second leg of that uh, Champions League tie against Monaco. Griezmann, uh, arguably, yeah, to, to me, to me, the best uh, the bench, best Frenchman in La Liga. He's made the uh, Gamero thrive a lot. I think, um, and he is the as well. How much? Yeah, he's on sixteen. Yeah, sixteen goals. He's a fourth fourth highest goal scorer in in La Liga. Uh, Conte won uh, won some kind of award, uh, some PFA award. I'm not quite sure what it what it was. And uh, there was a, actually a very very good article written about uh, his. Um, um, the, how he was uh, how he was brought up, how he went to up to Boulogne, then Cars, and then there was Leicester. Um, so to me, it would be between Griezmann and, and Conte. Not, I, I don't think Benzema has had that that good a season. To be honest, I think he's had he's had better uh, since he's at uh, Real Madrid. Just for thing is, thing is, I, I really haven't been watching the Premiership as as much as um, as La Liga. For you know, very um, very personal reasons, is that I can I can watch La Liga for free. I, I have to stream the Premiership. Um, so I'm going to give it to Griezmann. All right, I think it's, it's certainly a lot of players in the running. I think he deserves it as well. I mean, it's it's um, I can't I can't really say as an expert that Kante doesn't deserve it. I'm sure I'm sure he's very deserving as well. And Dembele for his age, I'm sure he'll win it at some point as well. But I think he deserves it on on uh, on the on this whole season. To be honest. Yeah, it's certainly certainly a compelling choice between Dembele, Griezmann, and uh, and Conte. I, I I would uh, I would countenance the mention of Gamero. He's not someone I'd seen mentioned. Hugo Lloris, I think, has been no. the player who's been the most mentioned uh, as being an admission mm-hmm. to this award. But I think your point on Gamero is certainly well taken. He's made himself a regular for France again, and he's mm-hmm. he's been a really key part in helping Atletico sort of subtly reshape the, their their ethos. So. One a couple of brief questions here to wrap the show up. Uh, Mets had a massive derby win, and they're now six points clear of the yeah. drop. But like Angers and Nantes, they've, their move up the table has been a couple with a more progressive style. Uh, Diabate mm-hmm. is a focal point, likes of Nguyen and Star on the wings. Renan Kohav is a sort of attacking slash box to box midfielder. Uh, is this a lesson for more more promoted sides to follow? And that is, in terms of being more proactive as BDQ is staying up, and. Following on from that, is the difference in style between France's two professional divisions something you changing sees changing soon? A trickle down effect. We've had more attacking play in Ligue 1 this season. You think that's something that can start to translate into Ligue 2 as well? Mm. I think it has actually. Uh, having having been to uh, to Ligue 2 uh, ground a bit this season, uh, you can definitely see some kind of difference between. Between uh, this season and last season, it's not just in the top division. In League Two, there's been much, much more goals. I mean, I, I've been, to, I've been to a game where it was four-three in a division. In a division, sorry, that is often being heralded as the most uh, boring and goal-shy in you know the history of the world. Um, 
So having having been there, I think it's uh, it's definitely been there's definitely been some emphasis on 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 attacking. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are sides that are very boring to watch, like Lens and Reims. Um, but uh, there are there are some sides that are very adventurous, and I think um, this is this is quite good. The defending is not. Um, yeah, some, sometimes Strasbourg's defending is, is is extremely poor, and it it can you know it can have that type of that type of effect. But something is changing. See what I mean? I mean, Nossi, not the the sides like Nossi Mets. I don't, I, you know, I didn't watch them there the the whole time last season, but I, it doesn't feel like they were, you know, uh, getting. Um, uh, lots of uh, lots of goals in uh, having uh, some some great games. But I think it's the general emphasis of of uh, France of French football in general that's been just things that are going better. So many may, maybe it's PSG coupled with Monaco having a lot lot of money. The market being um, uh, less less tight. Uh, the academies having uh, more money to uh, to fetch to fetch their um, their young uh, young stars. So I don't know, but I, I believe it's not just uh, in in Liga, and it's been it's been quite yeah, it's been uh, a joy to watch. Uh, also in Ligue 2. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly think we look back to our Ligue 2 show, which please, it's yeah. on it's on SoundCloud, it's on mm -hmm. iTunes. If you want to take a listen back to that from last Thursday, we had on some great guests, uh, mm -hmm. and they they mentioned that as well. They they cited Amiens and and Nîmes were two team two teams in particular that they cited as being really attractive and. Lo and behold, those teams are battling for promotion. Uh, as we yeah, see. very insightful um, comments on on Nîmes. I, I found. Yeah. So again, please do 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 follow that. It was with Will Gain, Max Quill Tools, and Steve West. Three great guests there. Mm. Finally, uh, let's take a minute to mention the race for Europe, which is really tight. Um, I think we can assume that PSG will be Angers in that Coupe de France final. But again, Angers have punched above their weight on more than one occasion this season. They did draw with PSG early in the season. Uh, so perhaps fifth place will be the limit. Um, Marseille, in this race for Europe, got a massive win as they 5-1 over Caen as they try to chase down Bordeaux and Lyon, but they have Nice and, and Bordeaux themselves in their next two matches. And the question for you then, Philip, is do Marseille have what it takes to catch Bordeaux, and which side is would you like to see in Europe next season? Well, I don't want... Um, yeah. Um starting to, um, to to repeat also, uh, the same thing uh, every weekend but I don't want to Saint Etienne uh, uh, in your it doesn't look likely as uh, as the manager has actually said he's not going to stay for next season um, let's look at it uh, I, I would actually uh, like Marseille to represent uh, represent France uh, the running is not that easy because they are hosting Nice but uh, Nice season is uh, not done does and maybe they want to actually um, uh, Picks that second spot from PSG, but uh, the uh, the South Coast derby is generally very uh, very heated affair between those two Marseille versus Nice. Then they have to go up and go to Bordeaux, and I think that will be the uh, the decider. I think they can, hmm, I think they can they can make it, um, given that uh, if if Bordeaux don't uh, win at Saint Etienne next next week, and Bordeaux also have Lorient away under the final match day. It'll be between obviously fifth will be between those two, as I reckon Lyon will get the three points uh, on um, for for what happened in Bastia. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, it depends. It depends what happens, what happens at uh, at Saint Etienne, and also if Marseille can beat Nice, which I think they can. I mean, it's 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 possible. 
If I had to bet, if I had to bet, I would say Marseille can do it, but they won't ultimately. But that six is still a very, very nice um, progression uh, compared to what was uh, what was it tenth last season? Uh, Not very good. No, it was certainly mid table. I don't know the number yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I think I think you. The, it was thirteenth actually. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well. Yes. Um, I think that we should we should look at Marseille being Europe as being a good thing for France. That. Uh, this Franklin Court project, if it does come to fruition, you know, again, I don't agree necessarily with how he's approaching it in terms of bringing links to Dimitri Paye, links to Giroud, links to Johan Gabay. But still, if he's going to take the opportunity to invest in players, having Europa League as a carrot to dangle, particularly in front of the likes of a Gabay, who's not going to get that with uh, Crystal Palace, I do think that that's going to be a powerful lure for certain players. Now, finally, we, we had breaking news during the show that Christophe Galtier has confirmed that he will not be with Saint-Étienne after the end of the season. I just wanted to get your reaction to that, Philip. Um, not, not entirely surprised it has been coming. He's been at the club for a very, very long time. He's uh, the longest-serving manager at the same club now, um, given you know that we don't have that type of uh, Giroud figure anymore. Giroud stayed for us yeah, for something like, uh, that feels like 100 years. Not very... Yeah, not very surprising that he left. Um, and uh, I think uh, the... I'm not quite sure if this is actually a good thing. I think it's a good thing for him, um, for his career, or where he wants to go, and if he wants to be at uh, that type of club um, in the future. I mean, <laughs> you know, could be your, your manager next season. Strangest things have happened. Um, but I think Saint-Étienne will have a tough time finding someone who were uh, with uh, as much uh, as much character and as um, shall we say as comfortable of dealing with uh, with the academy and on a shoestring budget. I think he's done a terrific job, especially in the early early days. He's actually established Saint Etienne as being a regular in Europe, and that uh, Saint Etienne may struggle to find someone who fits that bill. All right. I, I would have to agree with that analysis as well. That does conclude the show for this week. My thanks to our guest, Andy Brassel. Do be sure to turn in, tune in Thursday as Nathan will be back to join Adam and I to recap the European action. But in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Philip Bargill, I've been Eric Devin. Thank you, and have a pleasant rest of your week.